What's going on, FA Nation? Dan Malin once again here for the two-minute drill, recapping week 11 of the fantasy football season. I'm joined by Mike Alexander, as always. Mike, how are you? How was your week 11? Uh, my heater finally came to an end. I got, I got a little cutesy in cash. Tried to use both expensive running backs. Shot myself in the foot. <laughs> It's kind of weird because I feel like the strategy, I always pay up for running back. I'm fine using two studs, but it almost feels like lately it's been worth it to actually pay up at wide receiver. Yeah, the the projectable wide receivers have been doing pretty solid. And, you know, I guess it's hard to take too big of an L with Alvin Kamara facing the Falcons with a Mm -hmm. limited quarterback, which we're going to get to. Um, And, you know, uh, just completely different game plan and different team. Uh, Speaking of that limited quarterback, Taysom Hill was at the center of the fantasy football universe the last few days due to his tight end eligibility on ESPN. He uh, didn't throw any touchdown passes, but he rushed for two, had 24 fantasy points on the day. Ultimately, if you you had the luxury of playing him at tight end, you probably won your matchup. Um, They've already announced that they're going to strip him of his tight end eligibility. While I get it, um, I'm of the mindset that I don't think you should be stripping players of eligibility uh, this was a loophole. This was an oversight on their part from the very beginning. They had to have known that this was in the cards. I think uh, it's just a bad look if you're just going to go back and kind of hit the reset button. I'm fine with like in leagues having like scoring or roster changes based on like your commissioner making something like this year. If the guy wants, if your commissioner wants to add a COVID IR spot, mm-hmm. extra bench for like a little more depth. Or if you have to change, if you realize there's an error in your scoring, like that's that's league dependent. But this is site wide where they knew this could happen, and they still gave him tight end eligibility off the bat. So I think it's just a bad look either way. Um, how do you feel about it? I completely agree with you there. You should never change position eligibility or subtract position eligibility in season. That's just kind of uh, goes against the grain. But if you're playing on an ESPN league, uh, you know. It's a casual league. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, they are their features are uh, they leave they leave me wanting generally speaking. So Lord. you know I, I don't <laughs> I don't hate it. Uh, it's kind of a, a do no harm situation where it's somebody's going to get an unfair advantage if they're able to play a quarterback uh, at, at their tight end position, the worst position, getting the best position eligibility. It's you know it it just it shouldn't happen, and you know. Uh, Maybe the guy that paid like fab for him should get the option to be have it refunded or something, but um, well, I didn't like it. it yeah, I know for fantasy baseball, we kind of set a bar for you know how many starts a player gets before he qualifies at that position. I know on like Yahoo or ESPN, if you know if a guy is you know catcher eligible or something, but he starts ten games at first base or he appears at ten games in 10 games at first base, they get first base eligibility. You know, Taysom Hill, he had about 30 to 35 snaps at tight end. So, I mean, he he had, he had technically, I think he had more snaps at tight end coming into this game. And he's he's lined up all over the place. So I'm a little surprised that they're, it, like, I feel like he hit a bar where he should maintain that eligibility. But I get it. Like, it's a huge advantage to people who have him. It's a big disadvantage to people that don't have him. Um, but... Moving forward, since he is now just quarterback eligible, how comfortable are you starting him next week against Denver? I'm assuming uh, the following week they get a rematch against Atlanta. He's almost a no-brainer there, but would you feel okay starting him this week against Denver? You know, I'm not that comfortable with it. To expect a quarterback to get two rushing touchdowns, and if you used him 
in the first half, you were sweating. It, it was people were like lining up the victory lap tweets on on fading Taysom Hill uh, prior to that that second half where he's put two two rushing touchdowns on the board. You know, he, even one rushing touchdown. You know, he he's got to have multiple touchdowns somehow. Can he throw for one and rush for one, or throw for two and have yardage behind it? I think their offense does set up well enough for him to, to get it done, but it's not a foregone conclusion. He's not going to be the same super deep discount uh, in the DFS world. Um, I kind of think my approach is to, to hesitate on him this week and hope that he does get one more start uh, and they don't turn to Jameis and then, uh, you know, maybe go to him there because if he can throw two touchdowns and rush for one, he's probably a really huge value. Um, you know, it's just they it, it's an option offense and you're, you're limiting his his opportunities to, to throw the ball, I think. So um, I, I do hesitate there a little bit. All right. Moving on. Another big storyline from week 11. Uh, 2020 first round pick Joe Burrow tore his ACL and his MCL and he has some other uh, structural damage to the knee. So his rookie season is over. It sucks. But this is a kind of a wake up call for Cincinnati because their pass protection has been terrible, especially the last few games. Um, but how does this impact the fantasy value of the rest of the Bengals? I think Tyler Boyd is okay. Um, I know last year when Ryan Finley did start games, he was re- relying a lot on a lot of short passes over the middle. I think that still benefits Tyler Boyd. So mm-hmm. I think he'll regress a little bit. I don't think he falls outside the top 18 at the position. Uh, I do have a f- few concerns for Gio Bernard, but with Joe Mixon on IR, who else are they really going to hand the ball off to? But uh, A.J. Green and T. Higgins especially, I feel like this is a big problem for them. I agree on that front. You know, the the downfield flashier receivers are probably going to have limited opportunities. You're not going to ask Finley uh, to take those shots at the same rate. Boyd, yes, you know, he probably maintains at least his floor, you know, 12 to 15 point floor there on volume. Um you know, the touchdowns are probably slowing down with, with a big downgrade at quarterback, but touchdowns were never a huge part of his value. I mean, he, he scores five or six, and that's gravy, but it's the it's the receiving volume that gets him where he needs to be. On Gio Bernard, I'm actually a little bit intrigued there. Uh, when they benched Andy Dalton last season, they really committed to the run game because, you know, that was the only thing they could really succeed with. And... It went well. Their their offensive line struggles improved because they were, you know, run blocking more and, and doing things that were able to play to their uh, their linemen's skills. And I think Bernard could, you know, he's not Joe Mixon. He's not that hard runner, but he's still a decent runner. If they choose that route, and, you know, we're not going to probably have an indication of it until one or two games in. Um, so you're going to have to kind of do it on blind faith. But uh, I could see them going that route. Let's just rush the ball, do the same thing we did last year, and and try and keep moving downhill. All right, we'll move on to uh, J.K. Dobbins, who looks like the RB1 in Baltimore. He had 63 of the offensive snaps and 15 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. Um, this felt like a changing of the guard. Um, but at the same time, his game is Thursday night, and both he and Mark Ingram tested positive for covid uh, very, I'm. I'm not sure if they've already been declared out for Thursday, but it's going to be very hard for them to yield some negative tests to be cleared to play. So it looks like it's going to be the Gus Edwards show Thursday night. 
uh, in a pretty bad matchup against Pittsburgh. So two questions. Do you think J.K. Dobbins is the RB1 in Baltimore? Can we expect him to get 65% of the offensive snaps for Baltimore and possibly 12 to 15 carries? And how likely are you to play Gus Edwards against the Steelers on Thanksgiving? Tough questions all around. You know, uh, the, the NFL COVID protocols just I don't understand. Uh, like my – the, the way I understand the virus to work, how they're getting players back so quickly, uh, the fact that, you know, everybody's made a, a pretty big deal about positive tests only come on Mondays, never on Sundays. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to make conspiracy accusations, but, like, did they just buy up all of the, the unreliable tests that the state of Maryland had gotten from South Korea and are, like, just, you know, using them on Sundays or something? I don't know. Um but yeah, I, I even even with the NFL's willingness to bend things, I don't think either of those guys can play on Thanksgiving. Gus Edwards, uh, that's a tough one. I don't think he's a great fit to beat that Steeler defense. Um, you know, they're they're probably going to have that that AFC. Uh, North slugfest type game, and once in a while, a running back can pop in that. Um, you know, but I, I really think if if the if the Ravens are going to win, it's going to be off of uh, Lamar Jackson taking over that game and doing the rushing uh, on the on his own. So, uh, you know, people are going to use him Gus Edwards heavily in in DFS. They're probably going to make him a top waiver claim because he's got a starting job, but. They're, I think they're just going to split carries with him and somebody else, whoever that may be. You know, They've got a couple options there still. Uh, yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, we're recording this during the Monday Night Football game, and Mike Evans just scored a uh, man's touchdown. Uh, the only he, he scores. It looked like he was going to get tackled at the five-yard line, and he just kind of dragged himself into the end zone. Uh, but we'll move on. Uh, Tua Tungovailoa Tunga looked bad uh, against Denver this week. He got benched. Uh, Miami has come out and said that he's already the starter next week against the Jets in a cupcake matchup. Uh, but I have not been that impressed with Tua. I haven't really liked, uh, really, I don't know, he looks undersized. He's not necessarily quick. Haven't really been impressed with the arm strength. I feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick should be the starter for Miami. He didn't do anything to really warrant losing his jobs. Uh, but what are your expectations for Tua going forward? I mean, this is a team that is fighting for a playoff spot. They're kind of on the cusp of that. And uh, I, I just haven't been in love. I'm not going to say he outright sucks, and it's a little tough to be so critical because he's coming off a pretty serious hip injury. But at the same time, I just haven't been that impressed. I don't see why he's starting. Right. You know, it was it was perplexing. Why did they make the switch? Uh, I guess they figured if he's healthy, let's, let's get the learning process started. So you're not going to bench him against the Jets. That's, <laughs> that's a, a great learning opportunity to, <laughs> to succeed. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think the problem is kind of the offense itself. They don't really want to take chances. Even, even Fitzpatrick was, his success was incredibly efficient and that wasn't going to last, you know, he needs crazy volume to be a sustained quarterback. So at the same time, I do see like they were winning games, but it wasn't like the, the Fitz magic show where he was throwing four or five touchdowns. Um, uh, for the for the most part, so going forward, yeah, I, I just based on that alone, I don't have a ton of interest in Tua unless he starts running the ball. And like you said, he's he doesn't particularly look like that's 
part of his game at the moment. They may be telling him, we don't want you running on that hip. Uh, you know, you're a pocket passer uh, unless, you know, all else fails. But, you know, it's, it's I forget who the, the talking head was, but they were trying to stir up some stuff saying Justin uh, Herbert was the should have been the second pick. And, you know, in, in retrospect, maybe. But you, I, don't, yeah. I don't think anybody could have made that pick in an NFL front office. <laughs> right. Uh, rapid fire. We'll just touch on some huge performances from this week. Deontay Johnson continues to be underpriced on DraftKings, but he's consistently getting double digit targets from Ben Roethlisberger when he's healthy. Healthy. Uh, can we quell our concerns with, you know, the too many mouths to feed narrative and finally just anoint him the wide receiver one in Pittsburgh? I think so. You know, for, for me, I, I wrote myself a, a post-it note, put it on the monitor and said, uh, you know, play Deontay until he gets to 7,500 on DraftKings. <laughs> just just plug him in. It's unless he's unless he's hurt. Uh, the targets are double digits. He's Ben Roethlisberger's safety blanket. Um, you know, Chase Claypool's doing really nice things and he's looking like he could be an amazing receiver for for years to come. But uh, it's a different role. It's going to be a boomer bust role for Claypool. Juju has recently been useful, despite, uh, I guess, the injury this past week. Um, and that did kind of fuel Deontay Johnson's day a little bit. You know, he was already having a successful day before Juju went out, but, um, you know, really took him up a notch there. But I, I just I don't think Juju is the, the guy anymore that, that – uh, garners the attention from Roethlisberger and you know for whatever reason he he locks on to Deontay Johnson he's got faith in him and, and Deontay Johnson does stuff after the ball that uh, the other guys you know maybe don't um, yeah Claypool's a big strong dude but Deontay Johnson's got got that quickness um, so yeah just uh, go ahead and deploy him uh, at all times unless he's hurt P.J. Walker stepped in for Teddy Bridgewater this week in Carolina uh, the three main receivers for Carolina all had pretty Pretty good days. Uh, they all saw at least nine targets. Robbie Anderson had the worst day of them all, but still seven receptions for 46 yards. It's pretty serviceable in PPR formats. Curtis Samuel had eight catches for 70 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets. DJ Moore, seven catches on 11 targets for 127 yards. Big day all around. No one's going to complain about the performances, but are we a little bit worried about Robbie Anderson a little bit? Uh, we've seen the targets slightly come back. Uh, hasn't found the end. He only has one touchdown on the season, as many targets as he was getting from Teddy Bridgewater. Um, is he maybe falling outside the top 20 at wide receiver? You know, I've seen a lot of different sites rankings heading into each week, and they've got him in the top 12 almost consistently. Uh, some some may have him top 15. But any concerns regarding um, Robbie Anderson? Is, is DJ Moore finally coming through at the right time? Maybe slightly on Anderson, you know, there, there was the, the rapport kind of thing with, with Bridgewater. They, they seemed like they were, uh, you know, linking up, you know, the, the yardage being low while the volume being high is kind of hard to say what's going on there. Um, the, the one takeaway that uh, I think is interesting though, is Mike Davis, you know, we, we all expected him to continue his CMC style uh, fill in and he only got two, two targets and two catches scored a, a rushing touchdown, which everyone does against the lions. Um, you know, side note, uh, they, they play um, Houston on Thanksgiving. So um, feel free to target them heavily, but uh, you know, that that's, that's maybe a product of, of Bridgewater being out because he was, you know, he's more comfortable checking the ball down. And, uh, Walker just kind of like, you know, had some YOLO moments that seemed to work out for him. Um, so if, if that continues, then Mike Davis probably isn't going to have the same opportunities at the expense 
the other guys will have it at the expense of Mike Davis. All right, real quick as we uh, go a little bit long, uh, what game are you looking forward to next week, whether it's on the Thanksgiving slate or the Sunday main slate? Uh, the the uh, Lions-Texans is definitely the one. Uh, I figure this is a to good segue to Deshaun. <laughs> yeah. And then um, on the main slate, uh, you, you got Bills-Chargers. Chargers and the Bills defense, for that matter, just really not stopping people this year. The offenses nope. have been carrying them. Two great young quarterbacks going to duel there and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. So, uh, fun game. Should be a nice game stack, too. All right, Mike. Thank you so much, as always. That's week 11 in a nutshell. Thank you guys so much for listening. Best of luck to you this week, Mike. Best of luck to the FA Nation uh, on this Thanksgiving. And happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. I know this year is a little bit different. Hopefully you get to celebrate with your family in some capacity. But, Mike, best of luck to you. Best of luck to the FA Nation.